The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of the Yard. Man, the week is getting by quickly. They postponed the ball game, uh, you know, Friday to Saturday to Sunday to Monday. Today is fe- Tuesday. has felt like a Monday all day. You know, if we played ball on Monday, that felt like a Sunday. And so you look up and you're like, man, it's already Wednesday. It's true. Which means there's uh, baseball tonight. We also had a women's basketball victory on Tuesday. Thank goodness. We're going to talk about that. We're going to recap a little bit of that Texas Tech game, kind of offer some observations from the weekend. We'll talk about rankings. We'll talk about some other cool things that are uh, that are happening in connection with Mississippi State. Wednesday night, Mississippi State will host South Carolina in a men's basketball game. There's a lot to talk about. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's that time of year. And before you know it, we're going to be in a spring football. I mean, before you know it, the Bulldogs are going to be back on the practice field. I'm excited about it. I know you guys are as well. You know, we had the, uh, you know, the abbreviated football season this year and a much later start. And so, you know, football ran much later in the year and we didn't have that big layoff between the regular season and the bowl game. So it seems like we just got done playing. And, it's, guys, it's almost been two months. It's almost been two months since Mississippi State played a football game. And so we've gone through all this about, you know, the roster attrition, you know, which seniors are coming back. Uh, you know, which seniors are, are moving on and attempting to catch a pro football contract somewhere. We've overcome all of that. We kind of have a better idea of who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. And so now we get into midnight maneuvers. We're going to talk about some of that later in the show. I'm excited. I mean, you know, there are things going on on all fronts right now. Softball's playing well. Baseball's playing well. Uh, tennis has played well. There's just a lot to feel good about right now. But, uh <clears throat> You know, we have to kind of take these things, you know, one day at a time, just like everything else in life. There's so many things that are, that are out there to be covered right now. We're doing the best we can over at jeanspage.com. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, we got some cool things going on. If you are not a member of Jeans Page, I don't know if there's ever been a better time to join. Right now, for a limited time only, you get Jeans Page for 50% off the annual fee, and you get free access to CBS All Access. As part of your subscription. 
that's a really cool benefit. A lot of other people out there trying to sell you subscription, and you know their content may not be as good. And then on top of the great content we're going to give you and access to our insiders, we're going to give you some streaming package from our CBS All Access. So you can go check all that stuff out yourself. It's a great time. So that's jeanspage.com. And I always tag this at the end of the show. And inevitably, at least two or three times a week, I get a message. People say, hey, Steve, where can I find the books? Uh, where can I find information about uh, what's going on with you and what you've got planned? And, and usually it's right here. But if you're looking for books, go to alphadogs.com. That's alpha, D-A-W-G-S.com. And you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs right there. They end up having me sign books once, twice a week, kind of as orders come in, so they can turn them around uh, right away. If you just need a signed copy, you can get that too. Maybe you don't want anything personalized. But if you do, I'll write whatever you want. Go to alphadogs.com right here today and order books for you and everybody you know. Even your uh, smart aleck old Miss brother-in-law, you can get that for him too. I don't care if it's a gag gift. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I don't care what you do with it after you buy it. But you can find the books right then and there. But, yeah, I, I say that in every show, and then every single time somebody contacts me and says, hey, where do I find the books? I didn't write it down. Uh, so we'll get to some of that later in the show too. But um, almost finished with the poetry book. A few things left to do on that. Hopefully I'll have that out um, you know, in the spring, looking forward to that. Expecting a big year this year. And uh, again, there's some things I can't talk about yet, but uh, I had something really cool happen last week. I've, I've kind of teased this, and you guys think I'm being coy with you, but there are just certain things I can't talk about until some contracts are signed. But uh, I got sent something really cool last week in relation to the project that we've talked about here on the show. And uh, once I'm able to share that with you, I think you're going to be really pleased. I am already, and I have not really allowed myself to get really excited about it uh, until the last few weeks, and then, uh, you know, you don't hear from somebody for a while, and you think, okay, well, maybe this is not going to work out, and then I got a text last week, it says, hey, look at this, tell me what you think, I was really excited, so that's coming later this year, that's what they tell me, I think they were initially talking about a late spring release, now maybe the fall, I don't know, but uh, it is something really, really cool that I think you guys are going to be very pleased with and very proud of. I'm already excited about it, and we'll have more details in the uh, weeks to come. Speaking of things to be proud about, Campus, Bookmart, Bulldog Burger Company, Portico, all those great people that have been sponsors of the show, really appreciate them. We've recently added Dr. Robert Yarber, and uh, had people reach out to me asking for that number. So pay, pay special attention today. And if listen, if you lose that stuff and you need like Brooks Bryan's phone number, maybe you want to crank call him or you want to get, reach out to Dr. Yarber to see about those sinus headaches you've been having, reach out to me. I'm happy to help you with that. Uh, I want to remind you too, Bulldog Burger Company, there's not a better place. There's not a better place to break bread and starkle proper than Bulldog Burger Company. And now two locations to serve you, as you guys are well aware by now, right there in Tupelo on Gloucester Street on University Drive right here in Starkville. I've had a hankering here as of late for some Bulldog Burger. We'll probably take care of that later today because I really want to uh, get back from baseball and uh, have an opportunity to watch basketball and not have to worry about, uh, you know, cooking and kind of running around and getting something. Uh, so I'm going to just use my, uh, my my Internet services through my smartphone, and I'm going to call those folks and set up a, an opportunity to go by and pick up a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You should do the same thing, too. Give mom a night off or give yourself a night off by getting some Bulldog Burger to go. You can go to eatwithus.com, and you can make that uh, 
online order there, or you can call it in. But also, let me encourage you to, many of you know college students in the uh, Mississippi State area. They don't get a chance to go out and eat very often. Give them the gift of Bulldog Burger Company. Everybody would love that opportunity to go. And so I encourage you, use those gift cards wisely. Let people know that uh, you care about them. You've got a niece or a nephew or somebody in uh, Mississippi State that perhaps uh, could uh, use a night out on the town. What better place to go to Bulldog Burger Company? Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. You know, there has been a lot of, uh, you know, herky-jerkiness with the women's basketball schedule this year, to say the least. I mean, it's one of those things you get up, you get excited, you start preparing for a team, and then the game gets canceled. So all that film study you did, all that practice you did against their offense, all that's kind of wasted. Now, I don't ever think any practice time is completely wasted, but, uh, you know, you start mentally preparing for a game, and then a rug is pulled out from under you, and then you, when you do get to play, uh, it's been uh, kind of challenging. Let's, let's all be honest about it. It has not been the year we expected it to be. Mississippi State had not won a basketball game on the women's side since January 10th uh, against Ole Miss. And then you run through this thing. You know, you lose Alabama and Starkville. You get blown out by Texas A&M down there. You get blown out by South Carolina. The, the Vanderbilt game is canceled because they have given out women's basketball for this year. Still not sure how the men are playing and the women aren't, but that's a story for another day, I guess. We go to Fayetteville and we play pretty well. Can't close the deal there. Then the Ole Miss game is postponed. The Tennessee game is postponed. Then we kind of go out to Tuscaloosa and play pretty well for a while, you know, in the second half. But we had dug such a big hole in the uh, first half, we just simply couldn't overcome it. So Alabama gets the sweep. We finally get a chance to play Auburn here in Starkville. An 81-68 to win. And I think it's really one of those things, you know, I don't know if anybody's really proud of the win with the exception, perhaps, of our players. I think it's more of a sigh of relief. But uh, this is an Auburn team that has not been very good. Very winnable basketball game. It was uh, not what we had hoped it would be for much of the game. But give Nikki McRae and her team a lot of credit. They came out in the second half and played about as well as they can play. Really played well on the defensive end. And I really think that's what turned the game around. Uh, down three after one. Down six at the break. And, uh, listen, I saw the social media post. And they're all very well-deserved, right? I mean, it's like you think to yourself, this is a team that has not won an SEC game, and yet they lead at Humphrey Coliseum by six. And ordinarily, we would expect to win this game by 35, 40 points. Uh, Didn't quite work out that way. But uh, let's kind of break down a little bit of what we did see. In the second half, Nikki McRae-Penson's team comes out and uh, outscores Auburn by 13 held Auburn to eight points in a quarter after giving up 24 in a second. So a great job of adjustments. And that's been one of the criticisms of Nikki McCray-Penson is like that nobody ever seems to uh, to do anything different. We just kind of go out there and kind of run around and kind of hope for the best. But uh, there clearly was some adjustments made at the half and certainly an increase in effort there in the third quarter. All of a sudden, State comes roaring back. You take a lead there and you think, okay, maybe they're going to run out of gas. They don't. They win the fourth quarter, too. Uh, 24 to 18 and a final score of 81 68 so you win that game and advance to nine and seven overall and four and six in the tournament uh, four and six in the league and a lot of people have said well you know what we're going to miss the tournament uh the latest thing we have with charlie cream has state in as a seven seed uh so you know we've we still got to win some ball games here but we're, we're right there in the thick of things it's almost like a new start uh for the ladies 
Hopefully they can build upon this. Uh, Rakia Jackson led the way with 20 points, 9 of 16 from the floor, which is outstanding, and just one shot from three. And I really think that's part of her game. I think she is that mid-range shooter and somebody that can drive to the hoop. Uh, nine rebounds for her and also had dished out three assists. Did not commit a personal foul, which enabled her to play 31 minutes. I uh, did pick up a steal there, too. Maya Taylor played every minute of the ball game, and we needed her down the stretch for sure. 40 minutes of action. Four of seven from the floor, knocked down a couple of threes and a couple of free throws, and pulled down five rebounds. How often do you see your point guard do that in, in women's hoops? Just committed one foul in those full 40 minutes, handed out five assists, did have a couple turnovers and three steals, so she negates some of that, and even got a block shot. <laughs> a dozen points for her. Jessica Carter was really big early on and uh, big down the stretch as well. Just played 20 minutes of action before she finally fouled out. Uh, 7 of 14 from the floor and still puts in 17 points in just 20 minutes of action. Uh, Sydney Cooks, and uh, she has been, I'll be honest with you, I've been a little underwhelmed. I really thought she would be a much better player in addition to this team. I thought she played a decent ball game tonight, nine rebounds, and she also did foul out nine points uh, for her. Madison Hayes, we're just kind of waiting for her to take off. She did get a start tonight. Uh, just the four points there. I, I've not given up on her. I don't think she was overvalued as a recruit at all. I think it's just a matter of her kind of maturing a little bit and getting some SEC experience. So I, I think, again, I think that starting five is probably the best. The sixth woman, Aliyah Matharu, 28 minutes of action, absolutely an assassin tonight, 15 points off the bench that led all bench scoring. Uh, Jemiah Mingo Young, I uh, had four points and 25 minutes of action. So a lot more guard play tonight, but we win the ball game. I had nine blocks. How crazy is that? Nine blocks. And, again, that is, you know, that's evidence of increased effort on the defensive end. Really, really excited to see that number there. Uh, and, we, and, listen, we played a physical ball game. We had five – we have, uh, what, what three, two players foul out tonight, and we had somebody else get three. Uh, which is Jemiah Morris. And so, you know, clearly we're down there trying to exert our will and play a more physical game of basketball. So we'll see what happens from here. Uh, Yes, this is a game we should have won, probably should have won by a greater margin. And listen, at the half, uh, I saw the social media commentary and uh, cannot in any way defend how this team played in the first half. But uh, let's also give the coaching staff and the players credit for digging down and finding a way to get that win. And I know it's really a relief more than anything else because, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, when you're used to losing and all of a sudden somebody makes a run late, you kind of get this feeling like, okay, here we go again. Well, that wasn't the case. You know, State found a way to finish this thing off. And, uh, you know, let's give them some credit. You know, we certainly should. And, uh, listen, no matter what you may think about the coaching staff, uh, listen, let's be honest here about these players. You know, the – they're going through an adjustment, okay, and it has not been uh, a fun year for them. The on-the-court play has not been up to their expectations. The schedule has been uh, crazy, you know, let's be honest. And then we've had, uh, you know, a new defensive system, a new offensive system, and I understand Nikki McRae, Pinson's doing, you know, spending a lot of time kind of teaching. You know, it's one of the things, you know, when you when you already have your your system implemented – you know, and people know what you expect of them, then you can kind of push this thing through and then you can start managing expectations a little bit more and coaching to the standard. You know, you, you can't be upset with somebody for doing something they don't know or for what they don't know or for what you hadn't taught them. 
And so it is a process, uh, and I, I understand the angst that is out there, but uh, let's also celebrate and give credit to the team for uh, for winning a ball game. And I know there's some people out there that are so bitter and disenfranchised right now. They're saying, you know what, Steve, I don't even care. I get it. I do. But uh, I, also, I also know that when, when victories have been hard to come by in years past, when we've gotten them, we've, we've enjoyed them and celebrated them. And so maybe today, again, is a uh, you know a relief more so than, than a victory. But uh, let's take it for what it is. On the road Thursday at LSU, you know, eager to see how that game turns out. You know, LSU is uh, – listen, they're always going to be able to have athletes. We all know that. And LSU used to be the power in this conference. There was a stretch there, you know, when um, Pokey Chapman was the coach there, that they were uh, they were an outstanding team going to the Final Four. Well, this year is not that year. Pokey's not there either. Eight and 11 on the year, six of seven in the conference. And let's kind of look at their recent games here. Listen, this is a winnable game for us too. You know, they're, they're kind of working through some frustration as well. Uh, they have lost four in a row. They lose at A&M 54-41. They lose in overtime at home to Florida 73-66. And Florida is far and away a very extremely mediocre team. Played pretty well at at South Carolina. Lose 66-59. The Kentucky game uh, is postponed. And then uh, they lose by 10 this past uh, Sunday against Arkansas. So this is a team that has really kind of, you know, struggled here as of late. So that's one I think we can go get. It is also going to be senior night at the uh, Maravich Assembly Center, so the emotions will be running high. But, again, this is a game that we expect to get. Now, there are going to be some other games that were postponed that will be rescheduled, and so we'll kind of see how things progress there. But, uh, you know, this is a game you look at and say, you know what, if we're going to make the tournament, we got to find a way to win this thing. And then we will wrap up uh, – I guess that Ole Miss game has got to be played at some point. I'm not exactly sure when that happens. I really thought we'd have an answer by now. But the the last game on the regular season schedule is the home date against Mizzou. And so probably, I guess we get they, they owe us two games maybe, one, two games, one or two. So there will be some adjustments made to that schedule. But, uh, you know, we've still got a chance to win some ball games. You know, this Missouri team, uh, not at all what they have been either. It's kind of like the conference has been turned upside down outside of South Carolina. Mizzou eight and nine on the year, and four and eight within the conference. And uh, again, another team that uh, has kind of struggled here as of late. They did get a win over the weekend. Uh, let's kind of look at this real quick here. They will play Tennessee on Thursday. They put ninety six up on Florida on Senior Day. Then they had the A and M game postponed. Before that, they had lost two in a row. Lost to uh, South Carolina seventy seven sixty two, and then got blown out by Georgia at home eighty two to sixty four. So you look at these last couple ball games and you think, okay, we should have a chance to win those games. That Ole Miss game at Oxford, I don't know when it's going to be scheduled, but that's another game you look at and say, you know what, if we play up to our potential, we ought to be able to go up there and out-talent them. And maybe perhaps the game got postponed the way that it did will work in our favor because now maybe we have a little better feeling about ourselves because when you start feeling like, you know what, we're not any good, we're going to find a way to lose it. You, you, you usually do. That's one thing I've learned about life. There, there's two kinds of people, those that think they're going to make it and those that think they want. And um, the funny thing is both of them are, are right. But Ole Miss 9-9 nine nine, uh, overall, 3-9 and nine in the conference. 
And listen, they have been really competitive at times, but uh, they have not taken the step forward many expected them to take. So you know they're going to come out looking to get after us. They have lost two in a row. They lost 84-74 at Arkansas and Fayetteville, and then they lose to A&M 66-55. Both of those ranked opponents. And so they have uh, had an opportunity, of course, to play some really good competition. Now, the, the rest of their regular season slate as it stands right now is at South Carolina, that's a loss, and then at Kentucky, uh, that's a loss. And so you're looking at another losing season for the ladies, and so we'd like to be able to add to that misery and find a way to sweep the series. We have dominated uh, Ole Miss for the last several years, and I know, again, that's a big part of things for us. That's the neighborhood in which we live. We expect to beat Ole Miss in every sport. We do. No matter the circumstances, no matter who's good, who's bad, and listen, there's listen, there's a huge segment of self-loathing uh, rebel fans that masquerade as bulldog fans. Sometimes and you say, "Steve, you're being too harsh." No, well, no, I'm not. There's some people out there. No matter what we're doing, no matter how good we are, they find a way to praise Ole Miss and say that somehow we're lucky. I mean, I, I read a, a message board thread earlier uh, over on Gene's page where um, you know we we don't get any credit for the fact that we didn't have two of our starters this weekend in Arlington and still found a way to have a winning weekend. Oh, well, the Ole Miss rotations is so much better. Well, I don't agree with that. I do think they're very, very good. But uh, looking at the draft numbers and looking at the production of the SEC, you know, they're not outside of Doug McKay. they're no more proven than the guys that we have. And so I give them credit for the weekend they had over the weekend. But, uh, listen, it's one weekend. And so, the, again, the expectation is to beat Ole Miss every year in every sport. And so we find a way to win that one. I think that also kind of puts some credits in the Nikki McRae-Pinson account. You know, she's got some things to prove to our fans. There's no doubt. This is We're a very proud fan base, and we have been, had a tremendous amount of enjoyment for women's basketball. We're not used to struggling like this. When we struggled in women's basketball, we didn't have the same level of investment. But now we realize what we can do here. We understand we can be a women's basketball power. We're not ready to give that up. And so I think if Nikki can find a way, again, LSU's a winnable game. Missouri's a winnable game. Ole Miss is a winnable game. You know, let's say we put together a little streak here at the end of the year and, and Ole Miss is one of those wins. Let's say we win two of the last three or whatever. All of a sudden you say, okay, listen, maybe we've kind of turned some things around. We're still kind of getting to know each other. But uh, despite a year of adversity and the year of, you know, not knowing who and when we're going to play, we still found a way to put a winning season together and uh, sweep the series and get into the NCAA tournament. I think that buys a little bit of, a, of good grace. And so at least that's the hope anyway. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, too, that uh, from the very beginning that uh, I don't think really gave Nikki McCray-Penson a chance. And I know that I always I, – I, there's some of you that, you know, if I'm not as negative as you about things, then I'm wrong. And that's okay. I love you anyway. You know, we don't have to agree to be friends. Uh, I've got many friends that I don't agree with a lot of things that they do, and I'm sure it's vice versa. That doesn't impact my relationship with them. But there were some people from the very beginning because of their affection for Johnny Harris, and I love Johnny too. I do. They wanted Johnny to get the job, and if anybody besides Johnny got the job, they were going to be against him. It's just like the Jeff Walsh thing at, at, uh, at Louisville, or Louisville. There are some people that don't understand the dynamics behind all that. You know, John Cohen and the administration chased him for a long time. He was the guy that believed he'd be able to get out of his buyout. He couldn't. He couldn't get out of his buyout. 
And so we got to go to somebody else. And I don't know if that guy was really coming or not. I think maybe perhaps he was dangling that opportunity out there in front of that administration to kind of get what he wanted and to get some more money. And he did. And so there's a lot of guys out there that have agents that do that sort of stuff. And, and sometimes they use Mississippi State and other schools, other opportunities as leverage. But Jeff wasn't coming. You know, there was a time that it looked like it might work out. It didn't work out. And so we go hire somebody else. And it may not have been the person of, of, of my choosing. It may not have been the person of your choosing. But we're all in the same boat now. We're all together now. And, and uh, I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, that we have among the greatest fans in the country. There's not as many of us as there are other programs. But we have shown that we will turn out, we'll support multiple sports all throughout the year. There are many of you, this is your entertainment. This is your emotional investment. And so when Mississippi State's not doing good, you're not doing good. I feel the same way. You know, there are two things in, in our business, you know, in the sports media business, there are two things that generate revenue for us. Two things. Incredible success and coaching searches. When we're in the middle of the pack or we're losing a little bit, uh, then it's not as profitable for us. It's not as much fun for us either. I, listen, as much fun as I have you know, kind of working through sources and spending all day on the phone and that sort of stuff and breaking news for you guys, I kind of like it when we're just winning. You know what I'm saying? As long as we're winning, and I don't have to worry about a coach leaving for another job or I don't have to worry about a coach getting fired, I know that I don't have an 18-, 19-hour day or a week of those days in front of me like we did with the Mike Leach coaching search. You know, the, the Joe Moorhead thing happened so quickly – you know, when we hired him, there really wasn't enough time to get stressed because before we knew it, we already had a coach in place. You know, the Mike Leach thing was a little different. And I remember having some conversations with people in the administration. said, hey, what are you hearing out there? I said, well, I'm, and this is like the day after the press conference that we announced Joe was gone. I said, well, I'm, I'm hearing from some guys in some agent circles that uh, John Cohen is kind of uh, obsessed with Mike Leach, that he thinks that Mike Leach – deserves an opportunity to coach in the SEC. He thinks that offense would work here, and he thinks that it would put, you know, fans in the seats and it would give people a chance to uh, to see something they haven't seen before and help make Mississippi State different because we have to be different at Mississippi State. we got to be a little more creative. You know, we can't go out there and run the Alabama offense and defense with less than Alabama talent and expect to have Alabama results. And nobody's going to have those kind of numbers, but you understand my point. We can't go out there and run the same stuff in order to kind of beat them on a recruiting trail, we got to say, you know what? You know what? Maybe we're not an AFL championship contender this year. Maybe we're not an, even an SEC West contender this year. You know, maybe we're an eight and four team this year. But you know what? You're going to come here and you're going to catch a hundred. You're going to catch a hundred passes. You know, you might do this over there, but you know, you're going to be a bigger part of things here. You're going to be a hero for us. You may go to Alabama and just be another guy. You may go to Alabama and be in. The, in the transfer portal next year. You may go over there and get recruited over. You know, I don't want the leftovers from Alabama, but I'll tell you what, you can win a lot of ball games with them. And so when I begin to think about, you know, what we have in front of us here at Mississippi State, and I think about our administration, I think about the fact that, uh, you know, Dr. Mark Keenum is a bulldog and John Cohen's a bulldog. They understand what we expect. They also understand what we're willing to settle for, and that that the floor of that has been raised. You know, there were years and years and years we were just kind of happy to field the team, and if we you know if we could win the Egg Bowl or 
you know, we can get in a regional somewhere. We were happy to do that. As long as we hosted a regional and won the Egg Bowl, we thought it was a great year in athletics. It's not the case anymore. Now we expect to win at everything. And the reason that your expectations have been raised is because of the commitment of our administration to ensure that we are more competitive. And we're not – we don't want to go back to losing, right? We don't want to be an afterthought in the SEC. I know in women's basketball – and one of the greatest moments for me was when we won the SEC basketball tournament because we had never done that. You know, we'd lost with LaToya Thomas to, uh, to Tennessee. That was a great chance for us. And I still tell you, Carol Lawson traveled, and I've told her that. And she just kind of smiles because she knows. But we won the SEC tournament, you know, even as great as it had been, winning a regular season, South Carolina beat us. And, you know, a couple years ago, they, they, they beat us for three championships, a regular season championship, an SEC tournament championship, and an AFL championship. And then we finally get over the hump the next year. And we win the SEC regular season title, and then they beat us in a tournament. And then, of course, they conflate things and say, well, you know, you know, we won the SEC because we won the tournament, which isn't true. But there were a lot of people that was the, uh, you know, that was the, the talking point. And so when we finally did win it and the confetti fell, and I remember the look on Tierra's face and Vic's face, and we all felt that together. We did. We finally did it. We finally did something we had never done before. And so it was great. It was an incredible year. And so we want to get back to that. And so I just encourage you again, you know, let's appreciate what we have while we have it and, and uh, hopefully we can get back there. On Wednesday night, Mississippi State will host South Carolina. You may recall that Mississippi State went to Columbia, South Carolina back on February 6th and uh, really played a good basketball game, you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was a bit of a contest for a while, but 75-59 winners up there. Uh, really thought, you know, that, that was one of those that kind of stopped the bleeding for us. And we, we had to absolutely win that ball game. Uh, and we did. Six-point lead at the half, and then we outscored them by 10 in the second half to win uh, 75-69. DJ Stewart had the huge game, if you recall, uh, 29 points. And Iverson Molinar goes for, uh, for 16. So we're going to need a similar effort from them. And you know South Carolina is going to be prepared for that. They're going to say, you know what, we're going to make somebody else beat us. And so it'll be interesting to see how Ben Howland kind of attacks them. You know, is Tolu Smith more involved this time? You know, what do we do? Uh, does Iverson drive more to the rack? South Carolina has uh, kind of fallen on some hard times. You know, every, everywhere I turn and look, anything to do with South Carolina, people are just kind of excited for baseball. You know, they're just – they know it's going to be a rebuild in football. They understand that men's basketball probably needs a coaching change. Uh, they're enjoying women's hoops, but, uh, you know, I think in many ways, you know, they're ready for something else. It's kind of like, you know, it's almost like a little bit of fatigue. It's like, yeah, we want to go win another national championship, but maybe this team isn't quite what we had hoped it would be. But, um, you know, on the men's side of things, I give South Carolina some credit. You know, they had the big year with uh, with Sedarius Thornwell here a few years ago. 
and uh, it hadn't been the same ever since. You know, and so I think a lot of people feel like that that they had maybe turned a corner there, and he has become a victim of his own success. Because now people are like, you know what, you did it once, you need to get back there and do something similar. And uh, this hasn't really worked out the way they had hoped. South Carolina, 5-11 and 11 on the year, 3-9 and nine in the conference. You may recall they had a lot of non-conference games uh, canceled early on, but they have not been good here as of late, as you guys are well aware. Uh, what is this now, a six-game, five-game losing streak? They, lose, they lost to Mississippi State. They have not won a game since they lost that game to us February the 6th. They turn around and compete really hard against Alabama, but lose 81-78. They lose to Ole Miss at home, 81-74, get blown out by Tennessee on the road, 93-73. And then Missouri took them down 93-78 over the weekend. And so these games have been competitive. So Frank has these guys, you know, playing pretty well. They're just not able to finish. And with what we have had going on here, you know, I think it's important for us to kind of recognize where we are and recognize the opportunity in front of us. And listen, Ben Howen knows. Ben Howen's a guy that's been around the block more than once. You know, he understands in order for us to, uh, to, to salvage something from this season, it's about winning games. It's not just about APR, graduating players, and recruiting. All of that is, uh, you know, details in a much bigger picture. So they'll be here at our place, then they go to Georgia, and then they finish up senior day at home against Arkansas. So three regular season games remaining. They do not have a chance uh, at a winning record. They don't have a chance to even get 500 in the league or overall. And so I don't know if uh, if these guys have much left in the tank, but it's it's clear from the last few ball games, even though they've lost, they haven't quit. They haven't melded in. And perhaps since Mississippi State won that ball game against Ole Miss, you know maybe we're starting to feel like okay, you know maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I really believe that was such a big win for us in in many respects, and I shared that on the last show. I I think it was a big win for us because I think it reminds us, you know what, there's still some basketball left to be played. And uh, we've got three games in a regular season left, and I believe two of those three are winnable. And one of those is tomorrow night. I think the home gate date this Saturday against Alabama is going to be very difficult. I don't know how good a matchup it is, even though we played them about as well as anybody has this year. Uh, within the league, you know, that's one right now I look at and say, you know what, that's going to be a tough one. But when we go down there to play A&M on March 3rd, you know, that's a different deal. And, again, I know Buzz Williams has given Ben Howen a lot of trouble, but that's a game you look at and say, you know what, it doesn't make a lot of sense that uh, they should continue to kind of get over on us. It doesn't make a lot of sense that uh, we wouldn't learn from the last couple of ball games, you know, against them. Uh, they're a team, too, that's, uh, you know, kind of fighting to stay above 500. So they've still got some things to play for. They're, what, two and six in the league, eight and seven overall. They've had some cancellations this year. I don't know what to expect from the rest of the schedule for them. I really don't. They had that Vanderbilt game postponed. They will be uh, at Ole Miss on Saturday. No, I'm not right about that. Let me, let me, I was looking at the wrong spot. They will be at Missouri on Saturday and then host us uh, on March 3rd. The Arkansas game got postponed. The Alabama game, listen, they've had, goodness gracious, it is incredible how many games they've had postponed. And so I don't know how much that gets made up. I mean, we're running out of dates. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things. We knew that that COVID was going to wreak havoc on basketball. 
we have been impacted by some of that, but we have not dealt with this on the, the scale that some other schools have, and A&M is one of them. They have had a ton of trouble down there. And so will they be rusty? Will they be out of game shape? I don't know. But we've got to find a way to win that one. And so if you begin to look at that in its totality, let's say we win you know, two of the last three, and obviously that puts Mississippi State on the positive side of the ledger, right? As it stands right now, after the win against Ole Miss, we're 12 and 11. You win two of the last three, that makes you 14 and 12. So you got a little bit of gravy. So no matter what happens in the SEC tournament, you end the year with a winning record. Now, granted, that's not what it has been the last couple of years, but when you consider the, the, the guys we lost on the roster, if we could end this thing with a winning record as up and down as we've been, I think you got to give Ben Howen some credit. you got to give Ben Howen some credit for kind of keeping this thing in the road. And I don't know anybody that's been more critical of Ben than me in the media. But I'd have to tip my cap a little bit, you know, if we close out the year winning three or four. And let's let, what if we get a tournament win a game? Do we play our way on the NIT bubble? I mean, really? I mean, you know, after all we've been through? I mean, so I'm not ready to rule that out yet. But I also understand that it's one game at a time. We need to find a good way to beat South Carolina before we get too far ahead of ourselves because, you know, that's been some things this year. You know, we win some ball games and all of a sudden we think, hey, you know what, maybe this is going to be okay. And then we go lose a game we shouldn't. And so we'll see what happens. But, um, again, I am encouraged about getting the win over Ole Miss, not just because it was Ole Miss and the fact that Ole Miss had been playing exceptionally well. You give Kermit Davis and his staff a lot of credit. They, they really got into a bit of a hole early on. And then it won four in a row, and they host Mississippi State. And you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, Mississippi State has ended Ole Miss's tournament hopes. I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on that just yet. But uh, that's a good win for Mississippi State under the circumstances. And so, looking forward to seeing what happens on on Wednesday night. I know you guys are as well. Today's top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber. You guys have heard me talk about Doc on the show. Doc's a bulldog too. I don't know if you know that. Known Robert Yarber a long time. Matter of fact, we shared a dog once. I got a dog from him, Lucy. She was great. Loved her to death until she passed away. And I remember when I came and picked her up, I think Dr. Yarber may have had a tear in his eye. He's a good guy. But if you're looking to take care of uh, maybe some tears in your eyes but because of uh, sinus pressure and headaches and that sort of stuff, Doc can help you with that. Dr. Robert Yarber is from the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Two locations to serve you right here in the Golden Triangle. 910 Stark Road here in Stark, Vegas, and then on 6810 Pegram Drive in Tupelo. Sinus problems, common ear issues, throat problems in children. You know, you got some kids who just can't seem to shake what we consider allergies. It might be something a little more significant than that. Get it checked out today. There's no point letting your kids kind of live with that. And for the, for that matter, stop treating these problems for yourself with over-the-counter medications that really just don't have any impact. They may treat the symptoms, but they never really fix the problem. Let Dr. Yarber get down to the problem. Give him a call today, 662-844-6513. Again, that's 662-844-6513. Today's top ten list. I decided to go with a little more modern rock. I had one of you reach out to me. I said, you know what, Steve, I know sometimes some of these other musical artists are a bit of a stretch for you. And so they wanted to get me back in my wheelhouse a little bit and said, hey, why don't you give me 10 of your favorite rock songs from a modern rock band that you really dig? And so I thought about that. I really did because I've done so many of them for you guys before. You know, we've done Alter Bridge. I believe we've done Shinedown. I believe we have. I'm a big Shinedown fan. Ready for a new album from them. 
But I thought about one of the funnest shows that I've been to in the last 10 years was uh, Scrooge in the Coast down in Biloxi, Mississippi several years ago. And it was, uh, let me think here for a second, it was Paper Cut Massacre. And the lead singer from that band recently died, God rest his soul. And Hellstorm and Shine Down and Papa Roach. That's who it was. And I had never seen Papa Roach before. I was so impressed with Jacoby Shaddix. And so today's top 10 list is little P. Roach. Love Papa Roach. When I get out and work in the yard around here, more times than not, I'm listening to Papa Roach. I don't know why that is. You know, there's just some things you get in the habit. Maybe it's because I'm an addict or whatever. But, uh, you know, I put my earbuds in. I grab that weed eater and I put on some Papa Roach and uh, try to go knock out those weeds, man. But um, here are some honorable mentions that didn't make the list. Kick in the Teeth, and that's a bonus track on uh, that live album that was actually recorded in Biloxi at Scrooge in the Coast. If you, if you were unaware of that, go pick it up. No Matter What, which is a great love song. No Matter What, it's awesome. And then American Dreams, that's a more recent one. And now listen, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the catalog. A lot of these songs, if I shared some of these tracks with a good friend of mine recently, and she's like, you know what, I haven't listened to Papa Roach in years. Well, let me tell you this, you've been missing out. Because some of the more recent albums for Papa Roach are among the best ones. And they've experimented a little bit. Uh, they've changed some things up a little bit, but they still have the same hard edge. But let's uh, let's go with one of those newer songs at number 10. And it's a song called Periscope. And uh, it's a duet. And uh, I absolutely love the vibe on this song. I've shared this with so many people. And they're like, hey, who is that? Oh, it's Papa Roach. Oh, you didn't know? Oh, you didn't know? Well, you, you, you better call somebody. Number nine, another duet with uh, Maria Brink of In This Moment. I, and listen, I'll be honest with you. I was kind of uh, late to the party on In This Moment. I didn't really like Maria Brink. I think she's absolutely gorgeous. But uh, I didn't really care for her initially as a singer because, uh, you know, she had done this song with uh, Adrian from Otherwise called Promise. And then I heard her sing it live on a YouTube video, and she was absolutely awful. She was awful. And so I had this negative opinion from her. And then I saw her then play, in this moment, play live at Rocklahoma. And I was blown away about how good she was. I mean, she's improved so much. And, uh, a phenomenal performer. She does a duet, a song called Gravity with Papa Roach. And uh, just so you guys know, if you ever you know, see me and shake my hand, right on my right wrist is the word gravity. And it's from that song. It's kind of my tribute to Papa Roach. And uh, it's a kind of reminder to myself, too, it faces me. Uh, to kind of help keep me grounded, you know, when things are going crazy. I love that song. And uh, listen, that's about love going wrong sometimes. But I think you'll dig it. I think Maria's vocal on that is phenomenal, too. Number eight, I love the percussion on this one. And it's from one of the earlier parts, one of the earlier albums, but it's She Loves Me Not. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's one of Jacoby's better vocal performances. It's back before he kind of started rapping a little bit, you know. Uh, great tune. It's, it, it kills live. Number seven, I love Jerry Horton's guitar work on this one. It's I Almost Told You That I Love You. And it's a really, it's a tongue-in-cheek song. It's about a relationship that's kind of friends with benefits. And uh, listen, this isn't one you want to listen to with the kids in the car. I'll be honest with you. But uh, I Almost Told You That I Loved You, great tune. I, I love it. I really do. Number six, and I, I love the floor time use on this one. I think the percussion's good on it. The whole vibe is great. It's uh, Forever. And I love the explosion of vocals on the chorus. You know, it's like the song just kind of builds and builds. 
And then when we go into the chorus, it, it, everything changes. Tone changes, vocal changes, everything kind of explodes. I think you'll dig that one. Number five, one of the more recent chart uh, topping songs for them, I think this one went to number one. But I'll be honest with you, when, uh, when I lost my, uh, my good friend Tom Minyard in 2020, this was a song that was real special to me. And, and sometimes I would listen to this and I would think about him because, uh, you know, Tom is a guy that really battled depression. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I would hear this song and there was one, there's one lyric that always kind of speaks to me and it gives me kind of a lump in my throat. And it's, uh, I know your silence is a deadly sound. It's one of those things when, when people we love and people that we have relationships with, I mean, more so than an acquaintanceship, you know what I'm saying? I mean, people that we have an emotional investment in and that we consider friends, you know, when they're struggling and we don't hear from them, you, you know there's something going on. You know there's some negativity in their lives. Because, you know, it's like when things are going well, I hear from my friends. You know what I'm saying? And if I don't hear from them more times than not, I probably need to be the one reaching out. And those are things that I live with. But the song is called Come Around, and uh, it is one of my favorite songs of the last five years. And maybe it's because it has such an emotional impact on me, but I absolutely love that song. Number four, Scars. I tear my side, my, myself open. I sew myself shut. My weakness is I care too much. I wish I could have written that. I've, I've lived it. I wish I could have written it. But uh, I love Scars. Uh, I love that song, and again, that's one of those, uh, a guy's kind of moving on from a relationship. He's like, you know, go fix yourself. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Number three, and this is one that uh, is very personal to me, too, because it reminds me of recovery. And uh, it's one of those things, too, that I don't think full people fully appreciate. You know, it's like when, when people think you get clean and sober and that everything is great. Well, you know, I still have to live life on life's terms. You know, bad things still happen to me. As a matter of fact, the worst things that happened to me in my life happened to me after I got clean and sober. I just don't go get loaded over anymore. And so the song Lifeline, it's, a, it's too short. I, I wish this song was about 10 minutes long. Uh, I love the opening guitar riff, but... Um, you know, it's like I've been looking for a lifeline for what seems like a lifetime. And that's kind of how I feel a lot of times. So a, lot, a lot of times, you know, you, you kind of feel alone. And people would say, well, Steve, I don't know how you can feel that way. But it's true. You know, sometimes I can feel alone in a room full of people. You know, just kind of how I am. And I know that maybe I'm a little bit of an outsider. Maybe I'm weird or whatever. But uh, that song means a lot to me uh, because I remember those days when I just felt so incredibly lonely. I felt like nobody understood me, especially when I was drinking and using. And that's one of the reasons that I think I drank and used as, as aggressively as I did is because that was, those were the moments when I just didn't feel that stuff. I didn't feel so totally alone. You know, I could go to some dance club or some bar somewhere and I could join the tribe. And that's the thing. You know how it is. You get those single-serving friends when you go out sometimes and, and you get loaded. But, uh, you know, when I got sober, I began to realize, you know what, that, you know, life is kind of worth living. And so Lifeline kind of reminds me of that. Lifeline kind of reminds me of, of kind of where I've come from. And uh, I think you'll dig that one too. Number two, and this is one that absolutely slays live. Love the percussion on it. And they opened with this in Biloxi when I saw them, but it's getting away with murder. Uh, I love the guitar on it. It's a very aggressive song. Uh, it's not a thrash song or anything like that. I mean, it's not going to melt your ears. You're not going to bleed from the nose or anything. Uh, but Getting Away With Murder is just an absolute killer song. But if we're going to go number one, I don't know how it could be anything else but the song that started it all. And I don't know if you know this, but they have recently reloaded this song. There's a young guy out there that's an, it's kind of an aspiring musician. And so he remixed this song 
And then Papa Roach did a collaboration with him, and they have now relaunched this song and have reloaded it, this remix. And now this guy's on the rise. I understand. His name is Janice something or Jonas something, but uh, he actually re- redid one for Bring Me the Horizon. They're going to collab with him too. It's a cool thing, but it's uh, Last Resort. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Love that song, and that's back when Jacoby still had some some girth on him too before he got into physical fitness and that sort of stuff, and he was still drinking a lot back in those days. But uh, Last Resort, that video, man, there's just so much energy in that, and there's so much emotion in that video and that song. Uh, go check it out. That is, without a doubt, the best Papa Roach song. And uh, even though I love so many things that have come out in subsequent years, when I hear those opening lines of Last Resort, I just get goosebumps, man, because I, I, I know that feeling. And it's one of those things that kind of reminds us, you know, it, you know we're, not, we're not alone in any of this stuff. So that's my list. Uh, again, Papa Roach, and thanks so much for the suggestion. I forget your name, and I apologize for that. I'll give you a shout-out on a later show. Uh, so look forward to being back with you guys a little bit later in the week, and uh, we'll do another top ten list. If you have suggestions for the top ten list, uh, reach out and let me know. And I look, to keep you guys updated too, Roy does a good job. Roy Samante does a good job kind of keeping me updated. You know, Roy puts everything on Spotify, and he's so diligent to do it. And, I, and listen, I don't give him anything for it. He just does it because he loves to show. And he's like, you know what, I think these top ten lists would be great as a playlist. And you guys apparently agree with him because uh, you guys are eating this stuff up. But uh, number n- the, the top three right now, the top three most listened to Spotify top ten list. Number three, Journey. Used to be number one. And then here as of late, you guys have passed it. Number two, it's a list we did last week. How cool is that? So Black Crows. I knew you guys were going to love that. And even though I knew it was a repeat, I knew you guys were going to love it, but number one, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. Number one, the most listened to Spotify playlist for the Boneyard is Waylon Jennings. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? Waylon Jennings. And maybe it's because there's a bunch of Waylon fans out there that were looking for a playlist and they found us. But, uh, man, thank you guys so much for your support of the Boneyard and uh, other top ten lists. Again, you got suggestions, send them to me. I might just use them. All right, let's talk a little bit about credit card debt. Listen, so many people kind of survived on credit cards during the quarantine. A lot of people couldn't work. Uh, Kids were at home. There was additional expenditures. And so we did what we had to do, right? Many many people out there, many Americans, of course, have really struggled. They weren't able to work or perhaps business was down and they could no longer live within their means because their means was somewhat diminished. And so now you've, you've accrued a lot of credit card debt. Listen, our folks at Upstart are happy to help. Smarter rates for them. Smarter rates. Visit them at upstart.com forward slash boneyard. Again, that's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com forward slash boneyard. You can check them out there. You can get your rates. And listen, it's one of the, just about everybody gets approved. And so rather than kind of stay on this revolving debt hamster wheel where they keep dangling this carrot out in front of you and you're never going to get caught up and you're going to pay them, you know, what seems like, you know, $100,000 for the same 500 bucks you borrowed, and this is a chance for you to kind of get together and use Upstart as an opportunity to eliminate that and kind of consolidate it into one, in one, one payment. And, it's, and there's, there's an end date with all this. It's not one of these situations where you continue to kind of just, you know, never get caught up and feel like you're making any progress. You can get all the details 
at upstart.com forward slash boneyard. Again, it's just a smarter rate, and it's a smarter way to do business. And many of you probably said, you know, what am I going to do? I got all this credit card debt. I'm never going to get this stuff paid off. Well, this is your answer. This is your answer. Upstart.com forward slash boneyard. All right, let's talk a little baseball. And man, based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. I love talking college baseball. Oh, my gosh. It's like I was on the message board uh, this weekend when the games are going on after the games. And, man, we have so many great baseball fans. And um, I think a lot of them subscribe, subscribe to Gene's page. And I got up this morning. I was sitting there talking baseball. And I thought, man, I have missed this so much. I have missed being able to talk college baseball. And that's one of the things that I would say, you know, our fan base is extremely knowledgeable about college baseball. You know, we're not just fans of Mississippi State. You know, they're like, when it comes to some sports, you know, you just kind of live in the big maroon bubble, right? You kind of just kind of keep up with what's going on with us. But we have so many fans that are just fans of the college game. They keep up with everybody. And it is so fun to get on there and start – because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a college baseball nerd. I'll admit it. I, I'm, I might have watched five MLB games in the last ten years, maybe, because I prefer the college game. And so – it's nice to know there are other people out there that like me. And so I'm out there talking with people, and it's like, you know what, and we're talking about Ole Miss. And uh, I think that's one of the things that's a little, maybe a little different for baseball is as much as we don't like Ole Miss, we all respect Mike Bianco. We respect the fact that they have a good program. We respect the fact that they recruit at a high level. We respect the fact that when we beat them, it's a big deal, even though we beat them with great regularity. It's a big deal. There is more of a respect with baseball. Now, I don't care for their fans at all. But I respect the fact that Mike Bianco has been there for 20 years, and he's had multiple opportunities to leave and go to LSU. Didn't do it. He stayed there and built his own program, and he's done a good job. And we're sitting there, and we can speak objectively about their pitchers. And, I, you know, it's like I've seen a lot of people that said, oh, you know, Nikhazy this, Nikhazy that. You know, Doug Nikhazy's a great college pitcher. The guy's going to figure it out. But I love being able to take college baseball with you guys. You know, we were just talking tonight. You know, Texas A&M drops two of three over the weekend to Xavier. Then they turn around tonight and lose to Abilene Christian. And, you know, and, bef- and I see it on Twitter. And before I could even get to Gene's page to post it, somebody else had already done it. Because you got college baseball fans that keep up with everybody. You know, we discussed the other day about the kid from FAU that hit two grand slams in an inning, his first two college at-bats, because we're fans of the game. We love college baseball. Come get plugged in with us. But uh, I love being able to talk college baseball. I'm so glad college baseball is here. And maybe it's because I know in my heart this is the best chance for us to win multiple national championships. You can say, hey, Steve, pump the brakes. Let's win the first one. Once we win the first one, we're going to be there. And, and, I, and I'm a firm believer in that. I think once we get over the hump, once we get over there and we finally break through, I think, I think you're going to see us go on a run. I'm not saying we're going to build a dynasty, but I think once we win the first one, that the second one's not going to be too far behind. Let's talk some baseball. You know, let's talk a little bit about that. We hadn't talked since we beat Texas Tech. And, um, you know, that game said a lot about our team. Again, we didn't throw a, a weekend guy. We didn't have Bednar because of some neck tightness, and he's day-to-day. That's what everybody everybody thinks, oh, there's some more to it. No, there's not more to it. He's day-to-day. And then uh, we didn't have Sarantola. We knew we weren't going to have Sarantola, so we throw Jackson Fristo. And I'm going to tell you, 
you want to talk about the future? Everybody's saying, you know, man, what if all our guys get drafted? Well, Jackson Fristos is a future Friday night guy. We've known that, and then we got a chance to throw him out there. That's the thing I think about, too. This is a kid. He's, he didn't know he was going to start until this weekend. He was going with us and was probably going to be, you know, maybe a short reliever, probably, you know, eat up some innings for us. We took him with us, and he ended up playing in a Major League Baseball park in front of about 10,000 people, his very first game. And what did he do? He no-hit Texas Tech, one of the most prolific offenses in the country most years. He goes three innings, zero hits, zero runs. He did have three walks. we got to clean that up. And a couple of hit-by-pitches. And a lot of that's nervousness. You know, a lot of that's just anxiety of being out there for the first time. You, you, do you remember Landon Sims' bulldog debut? He couldn't get anybody out. He couldn't throw strikes because he was so gassed up. And there's some of that for all these guys. Fristo goes out there, does a good job. Uh, his breaking ball has such life on it. And it has some variance to it, too. You know, he can snap it in there for a strike or he can get that sweeping action and get a guy on a swing and miss. Kid's going to be a star, man. He goes 62 pitches, three innings. Probably could have got another inning out of him, but I think, you know, Chris knows what he's doing. We managed it well. Um, you know, Cam Tuller comes in and, and, listen, life on his breaking ball, but he had, some, he had you know, a couple tough pitches there. Walk some people as well. They finally get to him in his second inning of work there. Uh, three hits, four runs, four earned runs, three walks, two Ks. Uh, I'm not worried about Cam, though. Again, this is another guy we're trotting out there making a Bulldog debut. And then we bring Father Time in, Carlisle Kessler, our seventh-year senior. And it took him a while to get going, too, to be honest with you. And uh, really struggled with some control, but – you know, we the game had kind of been, well, you know, we'd score, they'd score, and uh, we just couldn't seem to stand prosperity. And it kind of gets lost in all that. But I really thought where the game kind of stopped for us is in the bottom of seven when Kessler goes in there and gets a one, two, three inning. You know, we get in there and we get right back on the, we get right back on the field and we get out and go back in the dugout. We're able to swing again. We bring in Casey Hunt, who was great. I don't know if I wouldn't have stuck with him for tonight. I mean, it's as well as he pitched in the eighth. One inning pitch, one hit, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. Pitch efficient there. Uh, gets a ground out and a foul out, I guess. Two ground outs. Ten pitches. Very efficient. And, you know, that's the thing, too, I think, for a reliever, too. It's, you know, when you know you're a short-timer, you go in there and let the defense work for you. You go throw your best pitches, especially when there's nobody on. Go out there and pound the strikes on, make smart pitches, execute them well, and let the defense work. That's exactly what he did. He was phenomenal. And, and I don't know if you guys realized this at the time, Texas Tech didn't get a hit the last three innings of the ball game. It's like, you know, it's a back-and-forth deal. It's a seesaw affair. But the bar bullpen took over. And I don't know that our bullpens get enough credit. And that's also considering, too, that uh, you guys haven't seen much of the bullpen. How about that? You saw a bunch of kids pitch, and many of them were probably going to be midweek guys, but they were forced into action because we were down five pitchers. That's right. And we still went out there and had a winning weekend. Of course, uh, you bring in Spencer Price late. Spencer walks two guys to begin the inning, which uh, Chris said at best. He almost has to have a crisis to be able to pitch. He walks the first two guys and strikes out the side. And I'm so glad for Spencer Price, man. I had a chance to visit with him last year. He and his parents came in during a book signing there at uh, you know, one of the local vendors. We had a chance to kind of visit. And uh, 
man, he was so incredibly determined, you know, to get back to form. And this is a guy, too, you know, he was among the best closers in all of college baseball, and he got hurt, and then he came back, and I wondered if he would ever be the same. I mean, honestly. I mean, and there were times he went out there and it just seemed like he was a mop-up guy. And you could see in his body language, he probably felt some of that too. He's like, you know, I'm working so hard to get back, and, and maybe I'm not going to get back. And maybe this is what it holds for me. And I wasn't even sure if he's going to come back last year, but he did. And now here he is, back to form, got that slider whipping around down there, got people chasing that thing out of the zone because the spin rate is so good it looks like a fastball. They think it's a fastball center cut. They get ready to hack at it. Next thing you know, it's in the dirt. You know, the guy's doing a good job. You know, offensively, you know, I don't think people fully appreciate this because we're like, oh, our offense struggled. Uh, We actually had the best offensive production of all six teams in a tournament. We hit 280, had the highest batting average of all teams in a tournament, had the most hits. If 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 you went over to Gene's page, I had a free article on that last night. But looking offensively, you know, the heroes from the game against Texas Tech, you know, Rowdy, of course, uh, two for five with three RBI. You know, Rowdy, you know, had, you know, a big hit every game. And he's going to start having multi-hit games. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what we need him to do, especially in the leadoff spot. He's got to get on base a little more often than he does. But, you know, he comes up clutch there, leg gets a triple, and uh, then the Rowdy Rowdy chat comes out. And uh, I had somebody that I trust share with me that, earlier today we're talking about this you know rowdy's not a great major league baseball prospect we all know this okay now if it had been a regular draft last year yeah he'd have got drafted but rowdy jordan is a winner that's that's what wins in college baseball you can't just go get these uh you know statuesque you know major league body types and just expect to win all the time there are a lot of guys that project to be great pro players that aren't great college players. Rowdy Jordan is a great college baseball player, and I'm glad he's on our team. Uh, Cam James, one for five, kind of got a C&I dump single out there. But, you know, and Cam didn't have a lot to show for the weekend, but he only struck out twice. He's putting, putting the ball in play. And it's just a matter of time before he kind of evens that out and those pop-ups become line drives. He's, Cam's going to be fine. You might bump him down into order a little bit to get his confidence back. But he's going to be fine. Tanner Allen uh, went over for us, but uh, had a couple of walks. Uh, Logan Tanner had uh, hit a couple balls really hard. I think may have had a chance to get out at Duty Noble. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not worried about Lotan. He's going to be fine. Josh Hatcher, two for four in the ball game, and that's against predominantly against left-handed pitching. And that's kind of been, you know, the guys that can throw that big sweeping slider from the left side give Josh trouble. I think Josh Hatcher's still going to have a big year for us. Luke Hancock. Uh, led the team in hitting, led the entire tournament in hitting. If there was an offensive MVP award given, it would have gone to Luke Hancock, two for four, three RBIs, and an absolute no-doubt home run. Scotty DeBrule, two for four. Uh, I kind of like him as a two-hitter because you can bunt run with him, you can hit and run with him. He's a guy that gets on base, kind of sets a table, move runners around. Uh, he's a mature hitter for sure. Brad Compass uh, gets uh, an RBI single and then – uh, DeBrule gets thrown out at third, and McGowan comes in right behind him, uh, scores a couple runs. You know, and Drew's a guy, too, that, uh, you know, they're going to platoon out there a little bit, and I think we'll be okay. Landon Jordan goes one for four, but uh, I tell you what, there were a couple balls. He absolutely hit on the screws, but right to the first baseman because they had some guys playing back. And so uh, I- I'm, re- I'm really excited about the lineup, and uh, I think there are some, you know, maybe our, you know, our fans kind of see this thing as, well, maybe we should be – 
know, like a church league softball team beating teams 15, 16 or nothing. Uh, considering the competition that we played, to go out there and get two out of three and lose a ball game uh, because, of, you know, we hit a ball on the screws that uh, 10 feet either way, it's an undefeated weekend. You know, we didn't win, and so we have to accept that. But uh, we proved that we belong among the national elite with this team this year. And listen, that's, that's who we are. We are a national elite program. That's what, we, that's what we expect. That's what we expect. We expect to compete for championships at Mississippi State. And I think we have a really good chance to win the league this year. I know I, people are saying, well, you know, Steve, I don't know. I still think Florida's going to be great offensively. I'm glad that we avoid them. I'm glad that we avoid Tennessee. If Tennessee can take a game from Florida, that's great. If Georgia can take a game from Florida, that's great. We don't have to deal with any of that. We don't have to deal with them. And so when you look at our draw from the east, you know, we get South Carolina, we get uh, Vanderbilt, we get South Carolina, we get Kentucky. You know, outside of that Vanderbilt series, you look at that you know, on paper right now, and you say, you know what, we're expected to win those series and might even get a sweep. You know, Missouri and Kentucky are not great teams. You know, so we have to take advantage of the fact that we kind of get a break in the SECE schedule this year. We avoid the top of the east with the exception of Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt's got front-line pitching, but offensively they're, they're, they're not world beaters like they have been. So we have a real chance this year to win the league. We have to take advantage of that. Uh, but, again, we're only one weekend in. Mississippi State ranked number five in a D1 baseball poll, which I think is the most authentic poll. I know some of you, uh, you know, are kind of critical of their love affair with the, with the University of Florida, and maybe there's something to that. But uh, I think they've been fair to Mississippi State uh, for the most part over the years. And I also respect the fact that Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt uh, and others, Mark Etheridge and others, they actually are on the road every weekend going to watch college baseball teams. There are a lot of people that have a poll that never leave the house. You know, kind of like these, uh, you know, recruiting analysts that uh, just sit around watching huddle video all day long and never go see a kid play. Yeah, uh, again, I don't figure out how you rank people you've never seen play. And so D1 Baseball has them five. Ole Miss is number one. And I have noticed some of our fans – have uh, really kind of responded to that. Listen, hey, you know, good for Ole Miss. As much as I don't like those guys, if we were number one, we would beat our chest about it too. And maybe we wouldn't do it as loudly as they have because we've done it before. This is the first time for them to ever happen. Listen, let them enjoy it while they can. It's not going to last, but they're a really good team. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're a really good team. I don't think they're as good as they think they are, and I don't think they're the best team in the country. But after what they did this weekend in the same tournament that we played in, you know, I, I don't know how you argue against it. You know, based on the limited amount of work that we have, yeah, I've got no problem with them going to number one. Again, they won't stay there. But, yeah, I don't, I don't begrudge them being excited about it. You know, we've been there before, too, and probably at times we didn't deserve it. And we weren't able to stay. I remember a team that was debuted at number one was at 06. You know, we got off to that great start and then didn't even make the tournament. You know, and so – and I expect Ole Miss to make it. I'm not suggesting that. But – you know, let's, let's not be idiots here and be disingenuous. I mean, if we were number one, we would be out there, you know, championing that to the world. And it's not about where we are now. I remember when I, when I talked to John Cohen back in 1989 at Pete Taylor Park, and we'd been number one much of the year, and we had dropped from number one, I guess, to four or five or whatever. And I told John, who was a player here then, I was just a high school kid, I was like, you know, I hate that we're not number one anymore. And he goes, you know what? The only poll that counts is the last one, and that's the one that we want to be number one in. And so I think that still applies today. You know, Ole Miss be number one today, great. You know, they, they can always say, you know what, we were number one at one point. 
but we want to be number one at the end. We've been number one several times. We've won the SEC. We've been to Omaha, and just getting to Omaha is not enough for us anymore. You know, Ole Miss has been to Omaha one time in my lifetime. That was in 2014. That's it. 20 years under Mike Bianco, they go to Omaha once. That wouldn't be acceptable at Mississippi State. It's acceptable at Ole Miss because they're new money. But let them enjoy it while they have. And listen, I know some of them are going to listen to the show and they're going to run to the message board and say, well, he said this. And you know what? Let me, I, it shouldn't be any secret. I don't really like you guys. But I respect your baseball program. I do. But I also know that uh, history often repeats and that uh, it's one of the things that I can always expect in June is the swim pools to open and Ole Miss to not make it to Omaha. Campus Bookmart will always be there for you. Stand to man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Everybody up there will take care of you and treat you like family because in their mind you are family. They love for you to come in and buy your gifts for your grandkids, your daughters, your sons, uh, especially this time of year. We're getting close to getting out of school time, Mama. I know you don't want to believe that, but it's almost March. Spring break is about to be here. And listen, the kids don't want to wear last year's clothes. Chances are they've already outgrown them. It's about to warm up. And so you need to go ahead and outfit the family in brand new M over S Mississippi State merchandise. You can find a plethora of that online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, Mom, we'll save you a little money. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And if you go in, be sure and tell them that, that beautiful Steve Robertson sent you in there. You never know what that might get you. It might get you a hearty handshake. You never know. might get you free gift wrapping. might get you a hug, a, maybe a socially distance approved hug. You might even get it from Susie. How about that? That's worth going in for anywhere. So go check them out, Campus Bookmart. Again, it's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. We mentioned Midnight Maneuvers. I don't know if you guys, when we talk about that, I don't know if you really appreciate what what I mean, Midnight Maneuvers. And so, you know, we're in off-season conditioning right now, and uh, there are some things that we do kind of similar to the Iron Dog stuff. You remember all that stuff we did under Mike Grant? And so I want to read you a quote that uh, from Mike Leach's book, Swing Your Sword, about midnight maneuvers. I want to read this to you so you kind of fully appreciate kind of what's going on. And so, there's the quote. During the two-week conditioning circuit, I wanted them to sacrifice their evenings. We called it midnight maneuvers. We would actually start around 10 at night. The timing was perfect because that's roughly the time of day we'd be playing a lot of fourth quarters. I've heard a lot of teams that they're conditioning at dawn, but how many games are their players going to play before breakfast? We'd have our guys do a bunch of stations where they'd have to do everything from bear crawls to dot drills for their footwork to obstacle courses. Better still, we knew they weren't out with their buddies partying. Instead, they were with their team. They gave up their nights because it was a team endeavor. We were working together as a team. It was a good message to send. And so... There are a lot of things. You see these videos out there on social media, and you see the guys, you know, they're out there with the medicine balls, and they're doing tug-of-war, and they're out there running around the hoops, and they're running bags, they're running ladders, doing everything for agility. And it's about core strength. It's about we're setting the baseline for the rest of the year. You know, one of my favorite sayings in high school football, and I think Charles Mitchell is actually the one that told this to me when he was in high school, is that when he got into January – that he lifted more in January. 
you know, the season was over with. He had a chance to let his body heal a little bit. And then he really, really worked hard in January. He said, guys that lift in January play in December. And, of course, December is when the playoffs and the state championships are, are held in the state of Mississippi. And so you make a lot of your biggest gains from a strength and conditioning standpoint right now in these months kind of leading up to spring practice because you, you're not having all the spring where you're running the weight off of them and things like that. That's not, you know, the season where guys are kind of banged up and maybe can't be full participants in a workout. Everybody's healthy now for the most part. So now it's about getting tougher. You know, that's one thing that Mike Leach always preaches is, you know, that tough people win football games. And it's not just about physical toughness. It's about mental toughness, about being emotionally tough. And so you learn how to kind of battle through adversity. And one of the things that he and I talked about in our last conversation is that, that people can try a lot harder than they think they can. They can try a whole lot harder than they think. And people say, oh, Coach, I, that, that's enough. You know, I, you know I, that's kind of something that I've always really believed in. I used to tell my baseball kids and we'd run. I said, we're going to run until I get tired of watching y'all run. And so I would say, give me 100%. And so I'd make them run up the hill wide open 100%. I let them walk back down. That's okay. Who's tired? And then the first couple of practices, a handful of guys would put their hands up. I'd make them all run it again. That's would say, who's tired? Well, then they quit putting their hands up. But over the course of the season, when I would say, let's go run the hill, before it was over with, they wanted to show me how tough they were. So and when I would say go run the hill, when they got back to the bottom, they didn't wait for me. As soon as the whole team got back, they went up again. They would continue to run and continue to run until I told them to stop. And that's kind of what happens with these players. When they buy into what you're doing and they understand, hey, this is for my physical betterment. This is for the betterment of the team. It's not punishment. I'm not being singled out. I'm not being tortured. I understand that if I go run this hill, it's not just about getting the approval of my coach. It's about getting the respect of my teammates because my teammates know that I am giving my 100% best so that I can be physically fit and ready to help them when it's my turn to make a play. And so over time, what happens is, you know, these guys, you'll see the stuff on Twitter, oh, I'm so worn out and tired. Well, then soon these guys begin to take pride in midnight maneuvers because they want to show everybody, including their team, how committed they are to getting better. Because, you know, listen, we're not going to beat LSU, you know, the game week. It's not going to – the preparation to beat LSU won't happen, you know, when we start doing scout team work on Monday. That's not when it happens. We're going to beat LSU right now. We're going to beat LSU right now because we're going to do things they're not willing to do. We're going to go out there and do things that make us uncomfortable, that make us better. And it's like the whole thing about you know, either you're coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. You know, if you, if you convey an expectation to people and say, listen, this is how it's going to be done, and then all of a sudden when they begin to see the benefit from it, the buy-in is there. And listen, there's some deterrent. You know, they got the black shirts, the gray shirts, and the pink shirts, and you probably know how that works. Guys that put forth exemplary effort, even if the execution is not 100%, if the effort is there, they get the black shirt. If you're average, you get the gray shirt. If you dog it in a workout, you're going to wear a pink shirt. And then every single day, you put on the shirt that's kind of based on your effort level from the day before. And you know what? Some people don't like that sort of stuff, and I think those people should probably get over it. You know, one of the biggest problems, and again, I'm not going to preach here, but one of the biggest problems that I have is that everybody wants to be treated the same, 
based on, you know, substandard input. You know, it's like those that exceed the expectation should be treated a little bit different. I, I believe in favoritism. I, I do. I really do. When I was in when I was in retail management, I believed in favoritism. And to this day I still do. My kids will tell you that I believe in favoritism. And I'll tell you myself, I believe in favoritism. The people that give me the least amount of trouble are going to get treated better than those that don't. If I have somebody, I used to tell my employees all the time, I don't pay anybody to give me a headache. And you know what? When I have an employee that did everything that I wanted them to do and exceeded the expectations and their production levels better than everybody else, they said, hey, you know what? Hey, do you mind if I take off a little early today? I got to go do this. So yeah, go do it. It's cool. It's fine. Absolutely. You've earned it. But you know what? The guy that's always out there never hitting his sales quota, the guy that never cleans his section, he never tags his stuff, his stuff's always in disarray, he's always dragging in late, taking an extended lunch. When that guy comes and asks me for a favor, I'm going to say no. Because we don't deserve to all be treated the same in those situations. It's one thing to have, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But if you come and dog it with your effort, you shouldn't be treated as good as the champion. And, and that's been conflated over time. It's like, well, you know, as long as we're all similarly situated, then we should all be treated the same. I, I completely disagree with that. Com- completely. I, there's probably not much in life that I disagree more with that. People that work harder, that put forth more effort, that exceed the expectation, those people should be rewarded for that. Those that simply meet the expectation get to keep their jobs. Those that don't meet the expectation need to go work somewhere else. And that's how it should be. And so when I hear about these shirts, and I know that there's people who say, well, I don't understand. Guys, how much will you motivate them? Hey, let's just come back out tomorrow. You know, I know you did your best. Here's a Girl Scout cookie and a Capri Sun. We'll see you later. Call me when you get home. Text me. Let me know you made it home safe. I hope we didn't hurt your feelings. That's not going to work in the SEC. It'll work in the Boy Scouts. It'll work in the Cub Scouts. It'll work in the campfire group. Might even work with Royal Ambassadors. It's not going to work in the Southeastern Conference. And so I think it's important to understand we need to draw a distinction between the standard, exceeding the standard, and being beneath the standard. It's it's one of the most simple things in life. And, And so I'm glad that Mike Leach has this approach. I don't care what color shirt they wear. But guys that are setting the example, those guys should be singled out. That group should be a group within the group, and you point to these guys and say, you know what, you want our respect, you, you, you want to you place at the table, you do what those guys are doing to get it. We're not going to come up here and just all hold hands and say it's all going to be okay. That's, again, and I, I preached longer than I wanted to. I guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pass an off and play it around and, and hum just as I am. But uh, I just, I, I'm a firm believer in that, that, you know, if, if I'm putting forth more effort and producing better results than you are, and then you get treated the same way that I do, then, then at that point I am being mistreated. I tell you somebody that won't mistreat you, that's Brooks Bryan. That's a guy that believes in loving everybody. He does. If you don't believe me, just ask him. I had a uh, former Diamond Dog baseball player reach out to me for Brooks's number. I won't mention his name because I don't know uh, – I don't know if the, if the secret is out yet, but there's some people that he loves that uh, have been considered moving to Starkville. And he goes, you know what? Hey, let me get Brooks's number because uh, 
I want to talk to him about Portico. I, I like what I've heard about it, and I understand that's a, a new residential development out there, and I think they want to be a part of that. And you will too. And, I, and I've told you guys too, it's been great. Brooks has said that of the, the 18 houses in phase one, 12 of them are gone. Six remain. So if you've been thinking about it, you need to give it a shot. You need to get on the sticks or you're going to be waiting and maybe moving into summer. And that's cool too. You know, maybe you're not ready to make the move, but if you've been kind of sitting around thinking, you know what, I've kind of put off making that call to Brooks. Now's the time to make it. Portico right out there. Uh, off of uh, uh, Garrett Road, right behind the uh, Hilton Garden Inn, the, the Cryford Jeep dealership there. If you, if you know where Pat Station Road is, it runs right into it. So when you come off of uh, 82, you know what I'm talking about? You get off 82, you know where La Quinta and all that stuff is. You're going to take a right, like immediately as you get off 82, and it's going to take you right there to it. That's how conveniently located it is. Guys, it's a mile from campus. It's got a walking trail. It's got a... Uh, a pavilion area so you can get out there and you can grill some hamburgers you can you know, boil some crawfish whatever you want to do and have a great family event and then go walk it off get out there in the evenings with your sweet honey bunch and uh say hey listen we uh we had uh, an extra piece of pilots get out here and go walk around the, the the complex you can do that if you need more information and chances are you do give brooks a call uh, i like brooks bryant a lot and uh not just because he played at mississippi state even though that helps uh, but Brooks a great guy. He'll do you right. Give Brooks a call today, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's talk a little recruiting before we get out of here. I know it's been a longer show, but we have a lot to cover. You guys, you're getting your money's worth from me here as of late. You're getting your shows earlier in the day, and you're getting longer shows, right? So you're getting your money's worth from me. All right, so let's talk a little recruiting. Uh, I shared some tidbits over on, and I, I shouldn't call them tidbits because we don't believe in bits of tid at Gene's page. Uh, put some bones out earlier, bones for the Bulldogs, about some recruiting stuff. I'm hearing more and more stuff about Gordo High School quarterback Tanner Bailey, that he's about to cut his list down again, kind of pushing towards a decision. Hadn't set a firm timeline for the decision. We expect it to be sooner rather than later. Quarterbacks usually commit first, so you can kind of – build a class around them, and quarterbacks know that. Deep down, they want to commit early. As soon as they know, they want to want to kind of get to work and kind of, you know, inst- installing themselves as a leader within the group. But Mississippi State is expected to make the next cut. I'm not ready to crystal ball him to Mississippi State just yet, but I will admit it is trending in that direction. If it continues to go as it has, I think he ultimately will be a Mississippi State Bulldog. I do. I think a lot of it's going to boil down to what happens with Ty. If Ty Simpson goes to uh, to Clemson, does Alabama kind of turn it up on Tanner? I don't think so, but I don't know so. And so I think that's one of the moving parts we have to watch. If Ty goes to Alabama, then I think that their pursuit of, of Tanner is over. And you can say, well, Steve, I don't understand. Why do you think we can get a kid from the state of Alabama that Alabama is recruiting? Well, I just don't think that Alabama is pushing him quite as hard as Mississippi State is. Now, he's an Auburn legacy. Auburn has not been involved with him uh, much at all as of late since the coaching change. And so I don't really foresee them being an issue. But I think Mississippi State is in a really good position. His brother is in school here at Mississippi State. Tanner has spent several weekends in Starkville. He's very familiar here, already has some friends here, right? Got some of his brother's buddies that uh, he's in touch with. And so I feel good about where this thing is going. I won't say I feel great just yet, but I feel good about the direction of things. 
uh, for sure. And I think you guys are going to be excited about that. I, I really like him as a prospect. I think he fits exactly what we want to do. Throws a great D ball, but also has uh, good arm strength where he can kind of rife what in underneath when there's some squat coverage and things like that. So I think that he is a guy that uh, you guys – I wouldn't say get excited about yet. I would say you guys can be optimistic about, shall we say. Offensive line recruiting continues to be one of those things we're really kind of monitoring. Bryson Hurst is a guy State led for a while. We've kind of got a slight lead now. Ole Miss and Florida State have kind of narrowed the gap a little bit. Uh, Bryson said, well, you know, I hadn't heard as much from Mississippi State. And that's one of those things, too, when they opened it all up for calls. And Bryson told me that when he spoke to some of the coaches at Mississippi State, that, that they asked him, they listen, we'll call you every day, but we don't want to be an irritant. We don't want to bug you to death. So how comfortable are you talking? Because Bryson's not a great talker, I'll be honest with you. He's a guy, you get him on the phone, and he's kind of disinterested sometimes. But uh, he goes, you know, a couple times a week will be fine. And so since that's happened, things have kind of picked back up again. You know, and so – but, again, that's going to be a long, drawn-out process. He is the best offensive line prospect in the state. Uh, I, I think a lot of Carter Edwards, too. And at least once a week I get an update from somebody down in Hattiesburg that claims to have some information. I have found them to be pretty accurate so far. Uh, Carter Edwards and his family are very, very serious about Mississippi State, and I understand Carter's dad is a huge Ole Miss fan, huge. But I've also heard from his dad, and that, that's not going to be an issue in Carter's recruitment. They want what's best for Carter's future long term. And I've shared that on Gene's page before, and it's like I think some people are now kind of starting to get it. I mean, the kind of the Band-Aid's already been ripped off. I mean, all of their Ole Miss friends know that Mississippi State is the leader. And so – there won't be some huge disappointment later for Ole Miss people if he commits and signs with State because they're already kind of warming up to that fact. And I don't know how much Ole Miss is really pushing. I mean, some some of our Bulldog fans say, well, it's because they know they can always get him. I just don't know if that's the case. I think this kid's different. People say, well, it's just like the Sean Rawlings thing. I don't know that it is the Sean Rawlings thing. And I, listen, I don't think he less the Sean Rawlings either. I mean, Sean Rawlings got a chance to go play you know, for his childhood favorite team. I mean, his mom, her grandkids call her Toddy for crying out loud. You know, Sean Rawlings is uh, is a kid that uh, had always wanted to go play at Ole Miss, didn't think that opportunity was going to present itself. He committed to Mississippi State. He was very happy to do that. And then Ole Miss offered. Well, Ole Miss has already offered Carter Edwards. And I think I see Sean Rawlings' situation completely different. Sean always wanted to go to Ole Miss. You know, Carter is looking for to use his athletic skill – to get him a degree in aerospace engineering. So the athletic part of this is much bigger than just as simple as the egg bowl. Okay, and again, I'm not talking poorly of Sean Rawlings. I, th- I think he played much better than most people anticipated. I know when he committed to Mississippi State, there were a lot of people that said, hey, this kid from MRA, or how good is he going to be? And he went up there and played starter. I was a starter for the better part of four years. He, got, he had some injuries, but, you know, Sean Rawlings was as tough as a $3 steak. I mean, the guy really went out there and played hard for for his team. I respect it. I don't like Ole Miss, but I respect the fact that Sean Rawlings got a chance to go play for his favorite team and then played as hard as he possibly could for that team. I just don't see the correlation. I know some other people would say, well, it's another Ole Miss kid. I just think this one is completely different circumstances, and I think it's almost disrespectful to Carter and his family to kind of say, oh, well, this is what's going to happen. I just don't believe that. I don't think – and I've, I've known some people. I've got some dear friends. We have mutual friends uh, that have sent their kids to PCS there that have told me 
that the Edwards family are just they're not going to be involved in any, any silliness. That's just not who they are. They're good people. They just happen to cheer for Ole Miss. And so I don't think we should paint with such a broad brush here and say, well, this kid's playing games for us to try to make Mississippi State look bad. I simply just don't believe that. All right, listen, I'm getting ready to get out of here. It's been a really, really long show, and uh, I apologize for that. I probably won't go as long next time. But, uh, listen, thank you guys so much for your support of the Boneyard. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find it at StarkVillains.com, and you very well should be. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.